Good morning, Tucson and all of Southern Arizona. Welcome live out of the Common Workspace Studios. You're listening to Tipping Point with Zach Yenser on the M1030 KVOI, the voice to the in-depth news, conversation, and talk about the people, ideas, and issues shaping Tucson's future. I'm your host, Zach Yenser. And as always, uh, we open up wishing our listeners and, of course, Matt Neely making the magic happen on the other side of the glass a happy Monday, a day which needs no introduction. always comes at you like a slap in the face. It's here, and it's here every seven days, they say. Happy Monday, Matt Neely. Good to be with you. Happy Monday, and uh, a great week ahead. We're heading towards Independence Day weekend, Absolutely. so this is a great week. Absolutely. Yeah, and we're getting, uh, we're getting it started uh, uh, here right, right off the bat. I, I'm actually looking forward to a really strong full hour. Uh, I, I joke about Monday being Monday because I think it's a human experience. But I, I'm actually lo- looking really forward to this week. I'm looking forward to the conversation we're going to kick off uh, today with. Uh, we're going to talk uh, – well, let me back into it. We're going to end the show with Gracie Soto. Uh, she runs Anita's Street Market, an iconic – business, an iconic small business here in Tucson with just so much history. We're going to get to uh, tell that story here live on the air. But to kick us off, and I want to jump right in because time is short and there's just way too much to get through. Danny Seiden is going to be with us for the first time on the show. He's in the green room awaiting president and CEO of the Arizona Chamber of Commerce and Industry. He wrote a recent piece statewide, How Arizona's Housing Shortage puts states, our states, red hot economy at risk. And uh, I knew I had to, uh, I knew I had to chat with Danny about this because it's something we've been preaching incessantly on this show for probably uh, five years. It's been six or seven for me personally, five on the air. Let's welcome Danny on in now. Danny, I appreciate you starting your Monday with us here in Southern Arizona. Welcome aboard. Thanks. I can't think of a better way to start my Monday. So thanks for having me on the show. <laughs> well, thank you. And this is one of uh, one of my favorite topics. You know, Danny, I've gotten a little bit of heat locally for saying what I'm about to say, but you might be validating it. We'll see. Uh, I have said, you know, you can have the best jobs uh, and the best roads uh, and, you know, the best parks and you can have the strongest economy and at the end of the day, if your housing market is not on good footing, all of it is at risk. And that's putting it lightly. And I've had people down here, Danny, go, yeah, you don't know what you're talking about. And then you wrote this piece. Uh, could failure to solve Arizona's housing shortage put Arizona's red hot economy at risk? Danny, what are you seeing from your seat as the president and CEO of the statewide chamber for business here in Arizona? Sure. Thanks. Thanks, Zach. Yeah, I, I understand getting some uh, negative responses when you ta- when you broach this topic, especially with those people who are in local uh, government type positions. So what I'm seeing as the person who represents most of the job creators, um, definitely the largest uh, job creators in the state and all medium sized businesses as well, is that it's just simple, Zach. We do not have enough houses in Arizona. And when you're looking at where people are expanding, where businesses are coming here to grow, um, there's just not enough housing available for their employees. It's not that complicated. It goes back to you know basic supply and demand rules. And right now, our supply, you know, our, our demand is 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 driving the supply so far down. Prices are up. So we're in a we're in a bad cycle right now on that. 
Um, and it's not unique to Arizona, just to be clear. Near nationwide right now, uh, we're at a, a close to record um, scarcity for our housing. So just, you know, Arizona and the rest of the country, we do not have enough houses. Danny, I'm looking forward to in our second segment to get into again from your seat. How do we solve this thing? I want to talk solutions. But Danny, yesterday, 300 people moved to moved to Phoenix alone. Yep. And on Saturday, 300 people moved into the valley. Uh, uh, and on Friday, 300 people moved into the valley. At this rate, uh, we're going to see 100,000 new Arizonans a year. Uh, that number is just absolutely wild. Um, and we're at 98% occupancy for homes for sale or rental occupancy, I guess, specifically. Uh, we just, I guess, have underbuilt. I mean, the, the, the rate of people coming into the state is absolutely incredible right now, Danny. Yeah, no, that's, that's, that's right. If you go back to, you know, the, the housing bubble burst in 08 where people said we had overbuilt, what we were definitely not um, prepared for was this amazing rate of growth that Arizona is seeing. You know, where that you're sitting, I'm sitting in the fastest growing county in the country right now, Maricopa County, as mm-hmm. you point out. I always love to give that line. By the time we finish this interview and you go home tonight, 300 more people will have mm-hmm. moved here. And that's going to lead to, you know, a, as you said, if it's close to 100,000 people a year, uh, you, you can bear it out. We just do not have the houses for that. We have not built enough. And a lot of that, unfortunately, does boil down to some policies at local government levels, um, making it more expensive to build. Um, and disincentivizing some building from happening. So we need to do what we can to clear all that up. And you said we're, in the second part of the show, we'll address some, some solve, how to solve this. But again, we can talk about it all day long, um, but everybody knows this. You know someone who's having a hard time affording a house. You know a new person who's moved here is just shocked by what our houses cost. And even worse, you know somebody who lives in an apartment who's doing their best on a budget, and they just got a notice saying their rent went up several hundred dollars a month for the next year. And again, that is all driven by the lack of housing options that are available to people all across our state. And that's what we need to solve. Yeah, Danny, it was interesting. Uh, I interviewed a business owner who moved uh, their headquarters from Chicago here to Pima County to Tucson last August. And this was unscripted, unprepared. I just said, hey, you know, what would be something here in Pima County that would maybe stop you from your business expanding? And I was expecting, you know, any number of the top five or six, Danny, that you hear when you ask that question. And the thing this person said, again, unprompted, unplanned, was housing. If, 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 I, if I can't guarantee that my workforce is going to be able to find a home, stay here, relocate here, that is going to crimp my ability to even think about expanding. I think that's interesting. Let me ask you this before we get into policy, Danny, in the second segment. Uh, are the home builders in Arizona ready and able to build? We need 270,000 new units over the next few years. Are our home builders ready and able to build or are there some challenges there too? No, uh, you you know, the, the only challenge I'm hearing from them is on, like, the supply chain side, that some materials are taking a little bit longer to get in and costs have gone up as a result of that. But in terms of, again, they will build, there's a, you know, they're, they're seeking to meet that demand and they will build as long as people will buy houses. But it's not just home builders. We should talk about multifamily housing and multi-use yes. housing as well. And that's, that's actually probably one of the bigger problems we have is there's, you know, for lack of a better word, some discriminatory practices against wanting those types of housing projects in your um, your localities. 
And that's a mistake. You know, we're growing up as a state, as you talked about our population numbers earlier. We're not um, this kind of wild west rural um, state. We are a metropolis. You know, we're, we're a state of at least two metropolises now. And we need to start growing up that way and planning that way. We need to go a little bit more vertical, which will help with water use and energy use. Um, so, again, I think we need to adjust our expectations and not everyone who comes to Arizona um, should be able to afford a single family home right away. Uh, there needs to be other housing options available for these families. Not everyone wants that kind of house either, but I can tell you not everyone wants to pay the price of a mortgage to rent an apartment. It's just not that great. So, uh, again, people are feeling this across, um, you know, across economic uh, zones. We, it's just everywhere. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's interesting, Danny. We'll go to break after this. But, you know, the Sun Belt grew up by being low cost, low wage, low service. That was kind of the draw. Um, and I think a lot of people got comfortable saying, well, Arizona is at the very least affordable. There may be other things going on that are difficult, but at the end of the day, we'll always be affordable. Uh, and that's just not true anymore. Danny, I, I, I could not buy a home in Phoenix. I could not afford to pay $475,000, Danny, to move to Phoenix. Uh, mm-hmm. And it, some can, obviously, but that's not, that's not the kind of citizenry that we have in Arizona. It's, it's a crisis in my mind. Yeah, it, you know, the, the good news is, right, people want to live here. People are moving to Arizona because of all the other things you said. We are a low regulation, a great place to live. We have great schools. It's a great place to retire. We have sunshine 300 days a year. All that stuff is great. But you're right. You know, traditionally, our home prices have been so much lower than that of our neighbors in, in California that it's been such a more affordable option. Now, we're still more affordable than California and some of these yeah. other places, but, you know, not by much and not at the rate we're going if we don't do something soon to start to start building. But, yeah, your example is not is not unique. There's so many people I know who are outgrowing their houses and could sell it for this huge profit. That's not enough to get them into a bigger house to accommodate their family. So it's it, it's crazy what we're seeing and hearing right now. Um, you know, rising home values are good for people who own houses, but not if that can't lead to a different kind of investment for yours and your family's future. So again, like I said, this problem is across the board from apartment renters to to homeowners, um, and we need to address it to new residents. A call to action by Danny Seiden, the president and CEO of the Arizona Chamber of Commerce. We have one more segment to go with Danny. Uh, We're talking about his recent piece, how Arizona's housing shortage puts puts Arizona's red-hot economy at risk. When we come back, we've framed the issue, uh, certainly from a business perspective, as well as a a number of other angles on this. We'll talk about, uh, in his view, what policy needs to happen. How do we we solve this? How do we catch up to the 270,000 new units of housing we need over the next few years? We'll be right back here on Tipping Point. I'm your host, Zach Yenser. We'll be right back on this Monday morning news hour here on 1030 The Voice. Tucson, 1030 The Voice, trusted local news and talk. Tucson homeowners, do you have equity in your home and would like to sell, but are afraid that you won't be able to find a new place in this market? Well, you're not alone. That's why CNC Partners has put together an innovative way to make your next home dream come true. They work with local investors who can purchase your home for cash, pay above market value, waive the appraisal, and provide you with the option to lease your home back to you for 12 months until you can find a new home in the Tucson market. If you'd like to see what that cash offer might look like with no obligation, go to Tucson Cash Offer. 
1994, the University of Arizona took the bold step of acquiring an industrial park in southeastern Pima County and transforming it into a university research park. With over 25 years of success, Tech Parks Arizona continues to advance innovation. Whether it's the 70-plus startups at the University of Arizona Center for Innovation or the new Tech Park at the Bridges that houses the university's commercialization hub with several other projects coming out of the ground, they are integral in shaping the future of southern Arizona. Tech Parks Arizona, moving innovation at the speed of business. The economy is moving forward, and Arizona businesses are looking at new opportunities and challenges as we emerge from COVID-19. Leading companies are planning how to respond to new business and rebuild their teams and are looking for critical talent now. The right talent in key positions will make all the difference, and having a trusted and dedicated talent acquisition partner will give you an edge. Devin and her team at Talent Store will connect you with top talent while positively impacting time to hire, retention, and your employer brand. Learn more by visiting yourtalentstore.com and schedule time with Devin and her team. School's out and summer's here. And now's the best time to come out in the evenings and catch Tucson's professional soccer team, FC Tucson, in action. We're back home June 11th for Forever Pride. Fireworks and a salute to the troops on July 3rd. Celebrating Tucson's birthday on August 20th. And don't miss our defending WPSL Desert Conference champions in action. The FC Tucson women have home games June 3rd, June 19th, June 24th, and July 1st. Tickets start at just $10. Get yours now at fctucson.com. Hi, this is Ethan Orr from the University of Arizona, where we apply science for sustainability and economic opportunity. At the Arizona Cooperative Extension, we focus on youth leadership, water conservation, and environmental health. If you'd like to find out more about urban agriculture, youth development, or creating a healthier environment, call me, Ethan Orr, at 520-621-0906, or visit us at extension.arizona.edu. When you manage your money with a credit union, you're taking true ownership of your finances and how your money impacts the community. Stop letting banking just happen to you. Bring your money home to Vantage West. Federally insured by NCUA. Hi, this is Tom Sullivan. Join me weeknights from 7 to 10 for the Tom Sullivan Show on 1030 KVOI, The Voice. back Tucson and all of Southern Arizona. Good morning to you and welcome back to this uh, Monday morning news hour here on Tipping Point. I'm your host Zach Yenser on AM 1030 KVOI The Voice. I kickstarted my morning this morning with Decibel Coffee Works Coffee. It is the coffee we drink at home. Uh, ice cream is now on their menu by the way as summer heats up. Uh, visit them at the Mercado San Augustine NX 267 South Avenida del Convento. Mention you heard about them here on Tipping Point with Zach Yenser for 10% off your next order on any drinks, beans, pastries, and more that you buy. We are uh, part two now of our conversation with Danny Seiden. He's the president and CEO of the Arizona Chamber of Commerce. He wrote a piece uh, highlighting that the uh, the housing crisis in Arizona, and I use that word crisis carefully, might be the only thing at this point, because of all we've survived the last couple of years, that could derail Arizona's red, hot economy. And uh, and Danny, I want to ask you, how do we how do we catch up? We have 270,000 units of workforce housing, uh, not just luxury, not just affordable, but in that middle stuff for our firefighters, nurses, teachers, uh, uh, middle class families. Uh, my hunch, Danny. Uh, is that your view at the chamber of how to solve this problem may actually 
align with the view of one President Biden, with whom the Arizona Chamber rarely sides. Uh, how do we solve this? <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's unusual for me to quote President Biden. Um, you know, we're nonpartisan. I should say that first off, but it is unusual for me to quote President Biden in a, in an article. But he's absolutely right. He identified. You know, there's there's a lot of things causing this problem, but there's definitely one solution that we can look at, one definite solution that we know has worked throughout time, and that is to build more. And um, as President Biden identified, and as I will identify, there are several barriers being put up by local governments, and um, that's making it more expensive to build, that's um, creating a reputation of we don't want development, um, and that's just not great. These local mandates that some states are coming up with, and if you, you mentioned taking some heat earlier, Zach. I know it's hot outside, but I hope you're ready to take some more because this is where things get, you know, get a little bit sticky when you call out um, some local governments. But your home city of Tucson does not have the best reputation statewide for bringing multi-housing projects to fruition. They have a couple of mandates um, that increase costs. I mean, for instance, Tucson requires new electric vehicle charging outlets in all new one- and two-family dwellings. So if you can't afford a house and you can barely afford an apartment, you know, is it wise to require electronic vehicle charging outlets right now, which drives up the price? Just, it's just one thing. I'm going to give that example because the cost of electric vehicles have gone up nearly 30% from last year to this year. I don't know. Um, you talked about what type of residents or people move to Arizona. It's not multimillionaires who want to continue to you know, park their Teslas all over Tucson. You know, you need housing. You need to clear away some of this nonsense and let people have the kind of housing they can afford. And that will bring down the overall cost when we're able to do that. Yeah, Danny, of course, this quote from President Biden um, and the Congress in the Yes in My um, Backyard Act um, says, quote, exclusionary land use and zoning policies constrain land use, artificially inflate prices, perpetuate historical patterns of segregation, keep workers in lower productivity regions uh, and limit economic growth. Uh, but Danny, where you and I might disagree uh, was in the uh, it was in HB twenty six seventy four. A Republican and a Democrat co sponsored that uh, by creating that more of a state level zoning allowances for new yeah. developments. I'm obviously a pro housing guy. I'm also um, a neighborhood association president. I might be unique in that I am both, uh, but I'm also a local control guy, and I and I kind of had difficulty with. Uh, you know, a state level kind of uh, piece of legislation kind of dictating mm -hmm. what can happen, what can happen locally. Uh, but a study, a study group came out of that, Danny. W what are you hearing from the study group around how to, uh, it was called the Housing Supply Study Committee, I think. Well, what are they finding? Well, it's important to note, we didn't support that bill as drafted, but that bill is a good example of where the pendulum is heading. When you have a Republican and a Democrat, you know, pretty opposite sides, from that matter in their factions mm -hmm. come together and recognize this and say you know what maybe local control on this one's not the answer because i listen we all love local control until local control policies become a matter of statewide concern and that's what's happening with housing you mm -hmm. you yourself called it a crisis you know carefully worded crisis but still a crisis and mm -hmm. if that's being perpetrated by bad policies at the local level that's when a state has to step in that's not something any of us want to see i don't think super zoning at the state level is ideal, but until we see a different kind of leadership at the local levels, I believe that's what is going to be recommended. Some kind of um, 
you know, an independent or outside review council that can either supersede a council's decision when they arbitrarily and capriciously deny a build. You know, if they say it's because of traffic, we don't want apartments, but then they'll approve like a medical building. Um, you know, that's very concerning. If that keeps happening, they're, they're inhibiting the growth. And, and I know that if you're a local government member, you'll say, I'm just representing and being responsive to my residents. And that's true. But you know what residents are, by and large, especially the louder ones? They are the NIMBYs, right? That not-in-my-backyard crowd. You just don't want things to change or can't imagine things changing. But I'll tell you something they'll like even less than new multifamily housing, and that's increase in homelessness, increase in crime, and all the other things that seem to follow when you stranglehold the ability to build new housing and new types of housing. So you, I don't think we actually disagree that much on that. I would love to see this handled at the local level, but we need some leadership. We need people willing to have these tough conversations and say, hey, some things need to change in our neighborhoods. We're growing, and we need to grow and adapt with them. Um, and that's, that's challenging, and I know that. And I know most, most mayors are fantastic. Most city council people are fantastic, and they do that all to represent their citizens. But in order to best represent them, they have to realize their policies are inhibiting growth right now, and that's not a good thing. Danny, less than two minutes. Again, this bill led into an 11-member Housing Supply Study Committee. Just for the fun of live local radio, Danny, I don't think you needed a study to know what uh, what needs to be done, right? Not that it was for you. I'm just saying I think you particularly didn't need a study <laughs> to examine the causes driving this. We've been talking about it for the last 20 minutes. Uh, give me what policies you want the state ledge to uh, look at going into next session. I believe there'll be a lot of myth-busting that goes on in that, that study committee from my conversations with them. So these, these ideas that it's Wall Street investors that are buying up all our housing stock um, or that it's uh, investors or, or Airbnb or any of that, I think you'll see a lot of those myths be busted. And it'll come down to one thing. We need to build more. And then it'll be what's the best policy to get us there? Is it the kind of sort of Damocles of a statewide uh, super zoning threat? Is it some kind of ombudsman like other states have that can review independently um, city council decisions that are being made in terms of zoning? You know, privately, and I can never state anyone on the record, I've been told by several local government elected officials, they would love for this to be taken out of their hands hmm. because they wouldn't be accountable as much to the residents. But again, that's not ideal government. That's not ideal governing either. Um, I think we need to have a massive education campaign on what's happening here, where our state's going to go if we don't do something. I mean, that shortfall you alluded to, that is real. And right now people are feeling it, especially with inflation. They're feeling the crunch at their rental costs. Um, and if you're buying a mortgage right now, you're watching your mortgage interest rates go up, everything is becoming more expensive. So the one thing we can do, the one policy we know we can do is build and clear any hurdles to building that exist right now. And that will keep our character of our, our state and our cities a lot more than um, leading to homelessness or, you know, our tent encampments or anything else. We can find a way to get to affordable housing. And as a neighborhood association guy, that's what you should want. You should want the, the best possible result with the safest possible streets that keeps the you know nature of our, our great state together. And we've always been a state for our opportunity for all. You can come from anywhere. You can afford to live here. And we need to keep it that way. Denny side, and I could literally not think of a more fun conversation to kick off uh, my week and our time on the air. Thanks for coming on and doing it. Appreciate your advocacy for this and for the piece you wrote. Uh, take it easy and stay cool up there. Yeah, you got it. We're working on it, and uh, you'll be hearing more from us on this front as well. So thanks, Zach. Appreciate having me on. Love it. Danny Seiden, CEO of the Arizona Chamber. We'll be right back. More after this on Tipping Point. 
Tucson homeowners, do you have equity in your home and would like to sell but are afraid that you won't be able to find a new place in this market? Well, you're not alone. That's why CNC Partners has put together an innovative way to make your next home dream come true. They work with local investors who can purchase your home for cash, pay above market value, waive the appraisal, and provide you with the option to lease your home back to you for 12 months until you can find a new home in the Tucson market. If you'd like to see what that cash offer might look like with no obligation, go to Tucson Cash Offer.com. In 1994, the University of Arizona took the bold step of acquiring an industrial park in southeastern Pima County and transforming it into a university research park. With over 25 years of success, Tech Parks Arizona continues to advance innovation. Whether it's the 70-plus startups at the University of Arizona Center for Innovation or the new Tech Park at the Bridges that houses the university's commercialization hub with several other projects coming out of the ground, they are integral in shaping the future of Southern Arizona. Tech Parks Arizona, moving innovation at the speed of business. The economy is moving forward, and Arizona businesses are looking at new opportunities and challenges as we emerge from COVID-19. Leading companies are planning how to respond to new business and rebuild their teams and are looking for critical talent now. The right talent in key positions will make all the difference, and having a trusted and dedicated talent acquisition partner will give you an edge. Devin and her team at Talent Store will connect you with top talent while positively impacting time to hire, retention, and your employer brand. Learn more by visiting yourtalentstore.com and schedule time with Devin and her team. When you manage your money with a credit union, you're taking true ownership of your finances and how your money impacts the community. Stop letting banking just happen to you. Bring your money home to Vantage West. Federally insured by NCUA. Helping you make better money decisions is what the Ramsey Show is all about. Today at 1 p.m. on 1030 The Voice. And we're back, Tucson, and all of Southern Arizona. Welcome live out of the Common Workspace studios. You're listening to this Monday morning news hour edition of Tipping Point with Zach Yenser on AM1030 KVY, the voice of the in-depth news, conversation, and talk about the people, ideas, and issues shaping Tucson's future. A bit of a short segment ahead because in the green room is Gracie Soto. Her and her family have run Anita's Street Market uh, for, oh, we're going to find out how many years specifically, but for a very long time in Tucson, an iconic um, Tucson business in the Barrios uh, in downtown Tucson uh, just means a lot to this community. I'm looking forward to that conversation. Uh, this segment is sponsored by Little Love Burger. They opened downtown last fall and uh, they're doing quite well. Little Love Burger serving up the juiciest burgers, loaded hot dogs, ice cream milkshakes, local brews, and breakfast sandwiches. You can follow them on social media at Little Love Burger. And mention you heard about them here on Tipping Point with Zach Yenser for a 15% discount off your next order. Matt and I broke bread there the other day, and he got his 15% discount. So they know what they're doing. They know it works. And uh, Matt can attest it's great food. The answer rate is a thing, and the burger was excellent. (laughs) <laughs> That's right. No, great food and, and, and a good team over there. Uh, we just finished up our top of the hour conversation with Danny Seiden. He's the president and CEO of the Arizona Chamber of Commerce. Uh, simply put, he writes, nothing, fate, circumstance, and a public health crisis have thrown at this state has slowed down the pace of Arizona's economic growth. But... Failure to solve Arizona's housing shortage puts Arizona's red-hot economy at risk. You know me. 
I read that and I knew I had to get him on the air and he he just came on with us. Great conversation. Uh, of course, there are thoughts from me. You know that. But I want to go to our phone lines first. I think, Matt, we, we still have Bill on the line with a, with a comment or a question. Yes, he is. Uh, he's on now. Perfect. Bill, thanks for hanging on. Go ahead. Hey, thanks for um, bringing up this topic. It's near and dear to my heart. I think it is one of the biggest problems we have facing us in Tucson, especially. Um, last year, uh, late last year, the city, the council uh, voted to uh, authorize uh, changes in the ADU uh, ordinances to allow people to uh, build auxiliary uh, um, units in their back so that we could help solve some of the uh, affordable housing. Mm-hmm. And it was a great move that they did, but they came back six weeks later and uh, yes. they probably got a lot of heat from NIMBYs uh, that said, hey, not here. And uh, they voted down. And I'm going to give uh, our mayor a, a lot of kudos because she fought to keep yep. those uh, in place. And so I really uh, appreciate her doing that. I just wish that the rest of the council would, uh, I mean, we're fighting to try to get this done because it's the, one of the biggest things. I, I'm in the middle of trying to build one. Mm. And so my mother-in-law can afford to uh, yep. actually live in, live here because she's living in a yep. um, a horrible area town and and can't afford rent. So uh, it's just uh, it's something that uh, the city council really has to take another look at and uh, um, reverse their reversal. Yeah, Bill, I really uh, appreciate this call on many levels. Maybe a piece of good news on this Monday is they still. I, I, let me tell you how I agree with you, and then I also make sure I heard you right. Uh, they they so they did vote for the ADU ordinance, and then they went back and they reconsidered it, which um, I critiqued as bad governance. I think it sets a bad precedent. I think you know how uh, Reed Park um, and the Barnum Hill situation went down, opened the door for these reconsiderations to pass legislation locally and then unpack it and pull it back out and change it. I just think it's bad governance. Um, But they did pass an ordinance. You can have an ADU now in Tucson. One of the big things that they changed with it is in the original piece of legislation, um, they did not have limits on the size um, of the ADUs. And and some neighborhoods were concerned of like, well, what if you have a 1,200 square foot house and you have technically the room to put in a 1,700-square-foot ADU. And they said, we don't like that. Um, And I don't remember all the reasons, but they said to council, unpack this and then basically make the allowable size of the accessory dwelling unit a fixed percentage of the existing structure. So, uh, and I forget all the math on that, but in other words, you know, if you had a 1,700 square foot house, your allowable ADU would be different than if you had a 1,200 square foot house. And I think this is an example, honestly, um, of how we often see at a local level the spaying and neutering of an otherwise really good idea. Um, and, and I wanted to see as few regulations as possible on that because of how many bills I know who have mothers-in-law that need a place to live and otherwise live maybe in a, in a situation that isn't as helpful. And in my mind, I said, so what? So what if someone has the yard size of a larger ADU? 
Um, and, you know, maybe they move into that and they make their existing structure, you know, the accessory dwelling unit for somebody else, for a family um, that needs it. So I, I want to give kudos to Council Member Santa Cruz and to Mayor Regina Romero, and I did this publicly on social media. I did it on the air back then. You could see them fighting for this. The council did keep the ordinance. You can build an ADU, but I think it's spayed and neutered. And let me say this before I go to the break. Um, uh, when I last checked in on the number of ADUs permitted by Planning and Development Services, this was probably about six to eight weeks ago, in the six months since the legislation passed in Tucson, we've seen seven, uh, was it 16 or 17 ADUs permitted. Uh, and I mean, this is a drop in the bucket. Nobody, I think, that knew what they were talking about pretended this would be a widespread solution to the problem. But we need way more than 17 or 18 of these ADUs. And I think the way you get there um, is by, you know, um, deregulating the opportunity. Uh, uh, growing the staff of planning development services, which is one-third the size of Albuquerque's and El Paso's. Can't get anything done with that size of staff quickly. Uh, And then working to basically standardize the plans. So it's more plug-and-play for the bills of the world to say, you know, if I don't already have a good idea, this plan might work for me. You make it faster, you incentivize it, you make it easier, and you have the staff on the city side to make it go. This is to Danny's point. Right, You can throw all the money in the world at a situation, but if the local governments aren't prepared to rapidly grow the supply of housing, it doesn't matter how much money um, you have. Um, so, Bill, I got to go to break. Um, good call. You got me back on the soapbox. Fortunately, you can build an ADU. I think it was spayed and neutered. I think there's ways that we can make it happen more quickly, but we're not focused on that right now in Tucson. We're not focused on these nuts and bolts land use and policy conversations to make a real difference. Um, And that bothers me too, but that's a conversation uh, for another day. When we come back from our final break of the hour, Gracie Soto, I just saw her, is uh, uh, in the green room. We're going to talk about uh, an incredible local longtime Tucson business, Anita's Street Market in downtown Tucson. An amazing Tucson story. We're going to hear it firsthand here to close our show. When we come back on Tipping Point, 1030 The Voice. From Oro Valley to Vail and everywhere in between, 1030 The Voice, trusted local news and talk. School's out and summer's here. And now's the best time to come out in the evenings and catch Tucson's professional soccer team, FC Tucson, in action. We're back home June 11th for Forever Pride. Fireworks and a salute to the troops on July 3rd. Celebrating Tucson's birthday on August 20th. And don't miss our defending WPSL Desert Conference champions in action. The FC Tucson women have home games June 3rd, June 19th, June 24th, and July 1st. Tickets start at just $10. Get yours now at fctucson.com. Hi, this is Ethan Orr from the University of Arizona, where we apply science for sustainability and economic opportunity. At the Arizona Cooperative Extension, we focus on youth leadership, water conservation, and environmental health. If you'd like to find out more about urban agriculture, youth development, or creating a healthier environment, call me, Ethan Orr, at 520-621-0906, or visit us at extension.arizona.edu. Zach Yenzo here, and I'm so excited to be a part of the launch of the Little Love Burger as they're growing in Tucson. Located just a few hours down 
from the Rialto Theater. Little Love Burger serves up the juiciest scratch-made hamburgers, loaded hot dogs, have ice cream milkshakes, lovable local brews, and the most addictive breakfast sandwiches. Little Love Burger is open Sunday through Thursday, 11 to 9, and Friday and Saturday, 11 to 10. You can follow their B on Instagram and Facebook at Little Love Burger Tucson. Don't you want some burger to love? Zach Yenser here, host of Tipping Point, and I want to tell you that Decibel Coffee Works is the coffee we drink at home and while we're out and about. Run by a great local team of people who care about the Tucson community, you'll find a variety of great coffee drinks, beans, pastries, and more. There's also a rumor ice cream is on its way in 2022. To see their full menu and varieties of roasted beans from around the world, visit DecibelCoffeeWorks.com and visit them at 267 South Avenida del Convento. Mention you heard about them on Tipping Point with Zach Yenser for 10% off your next order on anything you buy. Why I love where I live. It's a brand and movement that began here in Tucson to spark gratitude and celebrate the good things about where we live. Located in the open air Mercado San Agustin Annex, just west of downtown, it's a great place to shop or spend time with friends as you enjoy food, drink, and other shopping options close by. Find gifts, toys, books, and clothes that will help you celebrate where you live. Visit them at the Annex off the I-10 at Cushing and Avenida del Convento. This is Bill Buckmaster. Join me at noon on 1030, Tucson's Voice for Trusted News Talk. And we're back, Tucson, and all of Southern Arizona live out of the Common Workspace studios. You're listening to Tipping Point with Zach Yenser. In studio with me now, live, is Gracie Soto from the iconic Anita's Street Market here in Tucson, a conversation I've been very much looking forward uh, to having. And, of course, supported. Got to shout this out uh, by our great partners over at Vantage West Credit Union uh, who are uh, helping to put together this series, spotlighting uh, businesses here in our community, organizations who are surviving, thriving, doing well, meaningful work in this community during COVID for sure, but now uh, on the at least endemic side of it who are uh, have a bright future ahead. We want to tell that story. And then, of course, encourage our listeners today to be essential customers. We know about essential workers, but essential customers uh, who support the businesses that are meaningful to them and are meaningful to this community. And Gracie, I can't think of one that better fits that definition uh, better than Anita's Street Market. Uh, for those listening who haven't heard uh, about the market, give us the the short version of, of the history of it and what it's meant to the local community in, in downtown Tucson and beyond. Good morning, first of all, and thank you guys for listening to the show. Um, yes, my name is Gracie Soto. I am um, uh, taking over a business, which is a legacy my grandparents started. Um, I mean, the history alone, it's, it's been a bit, it's one of the oldest and still continuously running businesses in Tucson, Arizona. Um, one of the original markets that were built in the thirties. Wow. So that alone says a lot, you know, and, um, so going on a hundred years. Yes. Yes. Continuously running, um, you know. And for almost 40 of those years, my family has, you know, has put in their work there at the market. Um, So that alone says a lot, you know, but it's so rich in so much more history than that. You know, just the barrio itself, you know, just being a historical neighborhood is a is a blessing and it's beautiful. You know, it's part of history that we can't change. You know, we can only try to do better. But um, 
the history there with my grandparents is close to 40 years. So I've been there <laughs> my whole entire life, so I know nothing but, you know, running the market. It's my livelihood. It's my world. It's my passion, honestly. Yeah. Mm, amazing. Been in there since you were a kid. Since I was, yeah, my mom was pregnant with me, no working way. there, learning how to make their theas. No and I got the blessing and opportunity to be a mommy, too, and also be the same age as my mom, you know, being pregnant mm. with my son and, and running a business. So it's it's a big blessing. Incredible. Now, now, where give give us the cross streets uh, of where you where you guys are? So we are in between the Frontage Road, okay, and uh, Maine, St. Mary's, and Speedway. So we're directly sit in the heart of Barrio Anita. Mm -hmm. So we are hidden. You know, people call us a gem. People say all these beautiful things about <laughs> the market because they're so hard to find. Yeah. But um, yeah, we are on the west side part of town, near close to downtown. Beautiful, and, and you are involved, uh, if not still the president of of the neighborhood. Yes, right? I am still currently yeah. the president of Barranita. So you are yes. you are living. I'm I'm living the, I guess the <laughs> what you would call I don't know what you would call it, but I'm very passionate about what I do in my community. Mm -hmm. um, I not only grew up there, I live there. Uh, my grandparents still live there. Um, mm -hmm before their passing they still mm. own a home there um you know i i got to work there i got to go to school around there i got to walk to a center you know that was in my barrio and and i'm still grateful i live in hollywood i'm just a minute away yep. so it's it's my whole world it's my life that's very cool. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and you mentioned your 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 grandparents, especially your grandmother, mm -hmm. um, was so critical to this to this business, and and uh, and she passed. Yeah, um, she passed. Uh, yes. COVID is a time warp, Gracie, but yeah. it feels like within the last two three years. Yeah, it's been a little crazy. Yeah, COVID uh, unfortunately took my grandmother it as well. It was COVID. Wow. I'm yeah. sorry to hear that. Yeah, so it was. Uh, uh, it was a crazy time. It was that time was just it feels like a dream, you know, because it was so unreal. I think to all of us, you know, and especially those who have lost family members. Uh, I never in my life thought I would lose my grandmother. To me, still so young, eighty. She had just turned eighty. She had the energy of a thirty, forty year old woman, and and the you know the heart, just the heart of gold. And yeah. and it's unfortunate that it took a lot of our elders, a lot of our our yeah. strong, you know, that generation mm -hmm. that was just so hardworking, you know, yeah. never gave up, just woke up every day and gave it all they ha all they had, Amazing. you know. So she was a a very big part of of, of Anita Street Market. Uh, over the almost hundred years uh, of the market, what would you say it's known for? most uh, you mentioned tortillas and i feel oh. like yes but it's more than that i mean yeah i think i think when you think about barrios now more than ever especially with a gentrification going on and it's it's really big right now in our neighborhood and it's kind of you know it's kind of sad uh, but it's unfortunate, but, you know, it's times are changing and there's really mm -hmm. nothing we can do about that. But, you know, I think that people look back at the good old days, you know, when we used to be able to walk to a market in every barrio and be able to buy right. your candies, your ice cream before you went to the pool or whatever after school or before school. Mm -hmm. And those don't exist anymore. No. They don't. I think there's, I mean, if not ours, is very few, very few, less than a handful. I can, I can honestly say that. And I think it just, it's so homey. It's so real. It's, it's, it takes you back to a time when you could just 
it, uh, go into a little building and you had everything you needed. Mm-hmm. You, you survived off of those little mm-hmm. buildings, off of those little markets. And I think that my grandparents tried to keep it so like that for so long that, you know, it was kind of like very rare to find that. People would say that coming to the store was like going to their Nanantata's house because it just felt so comfortable, so welcoming, you know, and not only that, but the the way my grandparents greeted the people when they came into the market, you know, like if they knew them a lifetime, you know, like they've been friends since, you know, kindergarten or something. And I think the respect, the love that my grandparents had for all their customers especially the new ones you know and they became friends with everybody but i think these markets were just so common back in the day mm-hmm. that now that they're so rare it, it it holds something it holds memories it holds uh stories you know um and i think i think that's why because people can kind of go back in time a little bit and just drive into a barrio where you could mm-hmm. go into a corner market that i mean they don't exist anymore <laughs> You know, I'm uh, I'm also a neighborhood association president awesome. uh, on the west side, and uh, I'm your neighbor over in, in Menlo Park. Yes. And one of the things that I, I, you know, I would listen to those who were probably in their 60s or 70s in the neighborhood, and they remembered when the barrio in downtown was it was a full family experience. You'd you'd walk to Tucson High, they yeah. did when they were young. You'd come back and you'd buy clothes here. You'd pick up, you know, stuff from the pharmacy here. You'd pick up that last item from dinner from Anita Street, you know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and it was this full family experience. And I still believe that that geography has to be in place yes. for our area to be successful. That exactly. it can't just be, you know, a, an entertainment area or a place where you kind of come and leave. I think the success of our neighborhoods for so long was this full family kind of 15 minute yes. walkable experience. So now. You kind of live, I see it, Gracie, uh, you live in two worlds. Mm -hmm. One is in this world uh, where you saw what uh, Anita Street Market meant to your grandparents' generation. But you were in, you know, you were, you know, in the womb there. And now you've you've raised children there yourself. You now run it. Mm -hmm. As as newer residents are getting to know Anita Street Market, Mm -hmm. how do you bridge that for the next... 10, 20, 30 years. You've been around almost 100, so yeah. you've seen a thing or two. Yeah. How do you bridge that for the newcomers coming in with the generations currently there? I honestly, I always refer to my grandparents with them. Like, you know, how I I, I, I build a real, I, re, I refer to my grandparents, you know, and I always think about how how they how they were so welcoming you know and it's it is naturally it does come to me to be able to talk and i i conversate with them you know and i and they want to know about the history and i kind of tell all oh, my grandparents you know used to own this market i grew up here I, I give them a little story i give them a little background and we have a picture of my grandparents up there on the wall above the doors when you walk in or when you exit you can see them um, it's kind of like them, you know, yes. just saying they're they're welcoming and they're goodbye to their customers. Yes. But I let them know the history of it and how, you know, and they're like, you know, they just have so much to say, like ask. And I have so much I want I want to let them know about the market. But I think that it just you you just build your relationships with your customers. And I've met so many people from out of state that I still have relation. They text me, you know, mm. okay, Gracie, I want to order some tortillas. That's and I'm amazing. like, cool. So I think it's just, bu- I'm building my own relationships with yes. my new customers. Excuse me. But I also refer to them, you know, like, oh, my grandparents, you know, and it's, 
And I think they, they see the respect that I have yes. carrying on a legacy business because I always get the older people that say, well, thank you for, you know, carrying on a legacy mm-hmm. because this, this generation of children don't respect the hard work. Mm-hmm. You know, I grew up old school, so I can I can understand that I was raised by my grandparents. So, you know, them just understanding how much it means to me, the, the business itself and having new customers is a blessing to me, mm-hmm. you know, because it's also supporting my grandparents' business, but I'm there now, and it's mm-hmm. it's it's a blessing for me, you know. It's I beautiful. just I'm just very welcoming because it makes me so excited to be able to introduce them to the red chili, to the yes. machaca, like oh my grandmother's red chili, you know, and and my tata's tortilla recipe, you know, and this is, wow. and so it's just building a relationship with them and mm-hmm. and kind of just educating them on the on the history of the market. And they that. fall in love with it, you know, and it's because it's true. It's real. It's beautiful. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I feel kind of in between these two worlds in a different way over in Menlo. But many of the older generations will say it's not on us to educate the new generation uh, coming in, exactly. certainly on our history and culture. And in my mind, I say, but if we don't, and I mean the collective we, right? Yes, I'm, yes, I'm newer yes. there too. But yes. if the collective um, we don't don't pass on and share and educate on that legacy and history who's going to exactly we need we need a hundred more gracie sotos i think uh and a hundred more anita street market (laughs) um as our community changes and shifts um we have two minutes or less gracie and i I don't want to let this opportunity go by without inviting our listeners today to come and experience everything they've heard about today how do people navigate to you what can they what can they come there and buy and experience well, we still make our handmade uh, tortillas fresh every day, and we have them in many sizes. We also uh, have corn tortillas. Everything is, is in-house. So we have our like chorizo, homemade, mild, and hot. Uh, our, our most popular burrito, which is the red chili. Uh, we were voted for number one a breakfast burrito out of 24 yes. places in Tucson. Holla. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we we have a lot of history and a lot of new, you know, memories to be made there at Anita. So I welcome anybody who wants to, you know, taste something that, you know, uh, has been part of Tucson for almost the last 40 years. And there's a reason why it's still there. And I'm very grateful and I'm very blessed to have new customers and and old customers that don't know we we were closed for a while. But I want to let remind them that we are open yes. again uh very blessed to be your survivor congratulations i'm a yes survivor of a few things this past two years more than COVID itself but uh yeah i wouldn't be here i don't think if god didn't want me to be here or the customers because let me tell you the stories that Mm. they brought to uh facebook uh actually you know put that fire under me more than ever to come back and you know i'm very grateful thanks thanks to them Mm. um but yes uh a little bit of Nanantata's homemade food and, you know, all the love that we put into it. Um, we continue to keep that legacy going. And uh, I'm very grateful. And I want to say thank you to everybody that, that you know, that uh, supported my grandmother when she was around. And during COVID, I know she was very grateful to have at least known that she almost got, you know, got through a whole year mm-hmm. of COVID. So 
Thank you for the love and support. Mm -hmm. Thank you so much. And uh, yeah, you can order online at www.anitastreetmarket.com. They do deliver. There is DoorDash with that. Wow. So yeah, we just started doing that. So go out and support that, please, if you can. (laughs) I love it. So yeah, thank you guys so much. Gracie, congratulations uh, on just everything. Thank you for this conversation, fitting us in today. And we do want to encourage our listeners to uh, be essential customers supporting you and your work and the legacy uh, that you're that you're continuing uh, Gracie Soto from Anita Street Market Tucson that does it for us today Bill Buckmaster up at noon we'll be back tomorrow same time same place 9 a.m. here on Tipping Point I'm your host Zach Yenser